and welcome to Soloish, a Washington Post podcast about being unmarried but far from alone. I'm your host, Lisa Bonos, and we're doing a special episode about DateLab. If you're not familiar with DateLab, it's a popular feature in the Washington Post magazine where singles are set up on first dates and then have to tell a reporter about everything that happened. In over a decade, DateLab has set up more than 550 couples on dates, and there have been five marriages to come from those. So I'm here today with Christina Antonides, who's been a writer and matchmaker for DateLab for over a decade. Welcome, Christina. Thank you. And we're also joined by Michelle Leiby, who's interviewed some of these daters about their experiences and gets them to tell her what really happened on their dinner dates. Thank you for joining us, Michelle. Thanks for having me. And both of you guys are sort of retiring from the matchmaking and date lab game, correct? Yes, that's right. And before we let you go, I want to hear your thoughts and insights into single Washingtonians. This is your chance <laughs> to be on the other side of things. <laughs> so uh, let's get started. I wanted to start by asking both of you about your most memorable matches you made or dates that you recapped. Are there certain ones that stand out to you, either because they were reader favorites, maybe, or because you had high hopes for the couple, Christina? Yeah, I think, you know, each of our, our couples who ended up getting married, each of those dates um, were a great read. And, um, you know, was it, obviously the matches were good. Um, so the, and they were different. Not all of them I knew would be good. So that's kind of fun to see the ones that had question marks to see that they um, that they worked out despite that. Um, so I love those. I also love a couple years ago we had a couple of seventy something daters go out, mm. and they're they're among my favorites of all of Date Lab experience. Did they work out? Um, they so they did. So they ended up dating for two years after their Date Lab date. Um, and then I checked back recently, which is now about four years, and um, they said they are they have been dating on and off. So they, they stopped. You know, they had like some, I think she's in Maryland and he's in Virginia or something. So they had some distance issues. But um, they are still, they're dating. Awesome. <laughs> so I think that's great. Yeah. I'm happy for them. Great. Um, Michelle, do you have like a favorite couple that you talk to or maybe... A couple that was cagey about giving you the details, and then eventually you got the real story. Um, I, my favorite date, I think, was um, we'd actually set someone up on a date, but when we contacted her, she was married. Oh, <laughs> so, <laughs> she'd been on the database for a while. <laughs> so she was not available for dating. However, her friend was. And uh, so she got us in contact with a friend of hers. And we sent the friend on a date, on the date, and they got along so well. It was really just about as perfect as a date could be. And uh, they ended up uh, at least friends. I'm not sure how, how if they had a relationship, if it evolved. But uh, the date went wonderfully. They both really enjoyed it, and, and she thanked her friend. Well, that's awesome. So Date Lab readers have certainly been matchmakers themselves in a bit, in a little bit of a way, right? That's right. Um, and Christina, I remember hearing from you, and you, I think, wrote this in your farewell piece that you met your husband on a blind date. I 
Dan. Can you <laughs> can you tell us about your first impressions back then, and how would you have rated that first date with him? Yeah, I was actually five? I was thinking about that recently. Um, I would have rated it a five, but would I if if I had been the matchmaker, would I have um, matched us? And I thought about that, and I thought you know, given the way what I've learned over the years. Um, I might not have really only, only because not because we're not a good match, but because um, he had just moved to Baltimore. I was in Northern Virginia, um, and those are tough for yeah, date lab. That's far. that's tough. Um, and and would our senses of humor on you know that's one of the things I look when I that I look at when I'm matchmaking, and um, and I know now we have very different senses of humor and we totally make it work. But would I I might have you know thought that wouldn't that would be. You know, that's definitely something I look to um, for people to have in common. So, yeah. So, and I, I maybe I wouldn't have and we would have missed out, which would be really sad, <laughs> which tells you something about matchmaking as well. Yeah. Sometimes you just don't know. Michelle, you are also married mm-hmm. to a colleague of mine, mm-hmm. which is very, I always meet, I love meeting <laughs> colleagues, <laughs> spouses. You get to see like another side of them. Um I'm wondering, like, what similarities you've seen from when you were single, comparing to the the dates that the daters that you talked to, or is it just completely different? I think dating has gotten a bit more difficult over time. Um, the daters seem to be more, more dating seems to be much more competitive than it was when I was single, and um, it seems like people are always looking for something a little bit better. They don't want to, you know, they don't they don't want to shut down their dating right away even if they have a good date with someone. They kind of want to see what else is out there. Yeah. So it makes it I think more challenging um I hope this isn't sexist, but I think it's a little bit more challenging for women. Yeah. <laughs> to date now, uh just because dates have become almost like a commodity with a lot of the apps now. If a date doesn't go well or if the person isn't your ideal, you can just kind of swipe and keep on going. So um, it, it makes it a little bit more difficult to make a connection. But when you do make the connection, I think it, that part hasn't changed. I mean, yeah. people really, when they connect, they the relationships evolve, I think, pretty much as they always have since the dawn of time. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I went on a I went on a doubleheader of first dates on Friday Friday night. And after the first one, he said some. We talked. He said something about like how oh, this was a really good first date, and like you know, I hope to see you again. Everybody says like it's a good first date, and then there's nothing after. And I, I yeah, I agreed with him. That yeah. happens a lot. We have that a lot in the questionnaires that daters yeah. will say that, um, you know, and sometimes that's the reason they're signing up for Date Lab to t- try something totally different. And often, you know, in the write-ups. When I'm reading the column, you think this couple had this like, amazing first date from what you read. And then the update is they never saw each other again. Yes. Um, that happens far too often. <laughs> what, what happened? What happened? And what gets somebody to an actual second date in Date Lab? Yeah, I think um, part of it is the nature of Date Lab that people go into Date Lab and they're pretty motivated to have a great date. Um, because it's going to be published. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, really they're really jerk. on their game. Yeah. And they're they're fun and they're making it fun and they're usually engaged and they're engaging. And so at the end of the night, they really genuinely had fun. And so they say it was a great night. Um, and maybe they glossed over some of the things, even in their own mind, that they normally wouldn't. 
right? Mm -hmm. Just in the interest of it being a great date. And then I think they, over the next few days, often realize, eh, maybe it wasn't that compelling after all. You know, maybe a second date, maybe we were just more friend material. So I think that happens a little bit. Um, also, you know, people maybe don't want to tell us that yeah. they're not interested. So, which, I mean, it is a little bit uncomfortable to have to say that in print. <laughs> uh, so I think those two things. And people are just busy. So it really does have to be a good match. It has to be compelling to get to a second date. Yeah. Michelle, when you're talking to these couples afterward, can you tell when someone isn't telling you the full truth about what happened? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and what are some of those signs? Well, uh, when people use words like nice, sweet, <laughs> fun, you know, it was, it, was, it was nice. It was very nice. She was very nice. Um, they're usually, they, that means usually that they, there's something that happened or something that they dislike that they don't, because they're nice people, they don't really want to um, say anything negative. But what I found is that if you keep asking the question maybe a couple of different ways, eventually they will say, okay, this is what happened. And they'll, they'll spill the beans. Um, I, I think there, there are sort of two camps of, of uh, daters. There are those who come in with expectations. And then there are those who just think, you know, think, hey, I want to do something fun. I want to do something different. I want to be internet famous for a day. Um, and so the people who, who come in just to see what it's like, they tend, even if there's not a match, they tend to have a better time. Hmm. And that's because they're not disappointed. Regardless of what happens, they, they just accept it as an experience and a good one, a bad one. Um, and those who come in with it, with uh, expectations or put their expectations on their like expectations of falling in love or expectations of they wanted someone they wanted a cute guy or they wanted a tall guy or they wanted a, a blonde girl or they wanted a, you know whatever their image is that they have in in their mind they want someone with this type of sense of humor when people have sort of spe very specific ideas about the person that they're supposed to date um, I think it get, it's more difficult. Yeah. It's more difficult, and they're more uh, likely to be Got it. disappointed. Um, Christina, last time that we had you on the podcast, uh, you said something about how Date Lab is not for everyone. What can you tell us? Like, what types of people do well on a blind date? Um, are there types of people that you wish we had more of in the database? Like. Who is kind of out there made for date lab? Yeah, I think definitely, um, you know, it, it is not for everyone. Um, I agree with Michelle that the people that are most um, open to whatever happens do the best. The people who show up and they're excited and they're just aiming to ha meet an interesting person and have a good time. They do the best. Um, you know, some people will say, I'm doing date lab because it's really far outside of my comfort zone and I want to push myself. And, and and sometimes they do well, and sometimes they find it's really outside their comfort zone, and it shows. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I think the people who uh, it helps to be outgoing, it helps to be comfortable in your skin. You know, it's sort of that helps probably in any social situation. Do you know first date conversations can be really repetitive, and you can end up. I mean, I've had yes, lots, <laughs> lots of them. Um, are there certain things that you 
suggest daters talk about or good questions for a first date that can take things a little bit deeper than surface level, but maybe, you know, aren't so deep that you wouldn't want to tell a stranger. Make a pact that you will not talk about work. <laughs> that's that's something I hear a lot from matchmakers in general, yeah. Because, like you said, they, the, the questions can be a little bit repetitive, and um, it, it I think you, you can learn a lot about someone without talking about what they do for a living or, you know, what they studied in school, what their major was. There's a lot more. People are so nuanced and so multifaceted that you could, if you, if you both agree, we're not going to talk about work, we're not going to talk about careers. And I know that's really difficult to do in Washington because Very that's difficult. the first thing yeah. that anyone asks. But make a pact. We're not going to talk about that. And find other things to talk about. Act like you're out with your best friend from from school yeah and have fun just be open to having fun and uh you'd be surprised sometimes where the conversation takes you that's good advice do you have anything yeah no i mean that definitely comes up that the daters say we tried not to talk about work because i I or politics what do you do (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) and usually they end up doing it just because it's such a big part of your life for most people so usually it's hard to, to do that. But I think if you can do it, you're right. It would take you in directions that you might be really pleasantly surprised to be going in. Great. Um, often when I talk to professional matchmakers, they will stress the importance of finding two people that have shared values being more important than finding like shared interests between two people. For example, you know, there's a difference between two people who both really love football and maybe um, two others who just have an importance in fitness or enjoy sports in general. Um, Or, you know, two people who value balancing work with the rest of your life and aren't workaholics. Um, So I'm wondering, when you're setting people up, Christina, how do you assess whether two people might have similar values that go beyond like a shared interest in tennis or... Right. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely something I, I'm always trying to figure out from their questionnaire. We don't have um, a specific question, but we have a couple questions that give clues to that. So one is, uh, when are you happiest? And mm-hmm. so people will say, like, I'm happiest with my family, or I'm happiest when I just completed a big project at work and I know I did it well, or I'm happiest at the beach, or, you know, when I clock out on Friday afternoon. <laughs> so I, I look for those answers. Um, and then when people talk about their dating history, sometimes there are clues in there. Mm-hmm. You know, I've done lots of dates and I've uh, been in some relationships, but now I'm really ready to settle down. Or I just got out of a relationship and I'm really not interested in yeah. So people will give us clues as to kind of where they are in life. Um, and sometimes some of the other answers can give us little clues too. But that's, yeah, it's hard to discern sometimes. Yeah. Michelle, do you see anything when you're talking to daters about whether these two people have shared values or um, you know, what comes across in the interviews as far as, as far as that? I think people who are um, for whom faith is, is a, a focal point in, in their life tend to do better with other people who who uh, really value their their faith, their religion. Um, that's that's the thing that stood out the most to me um, in terms of. I think that's really it's really tough to match two people who not necessarily the same religion, mm-hmm. but for whom faith is something that's important. 
Um, and then on the other extreme is people who are party animals. <laughs> people who like to party. Is that a faith in and of itself? <laughs> <laughs> That's a different type of faith. Um, but they, they tend to, party animals tend to get along better with party animals. If you're at that same stage of life where you're having fun, it's all about going out, partying, hanging out with your friends, um, then it's best to be with someone who's in that same that same mode. Mm-hmm. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's a, it's a fun mode to be in, but once you're out of it, you don't really want to have a whole, whole lot to do with yeah. that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, okay, now let's talk about that ever-elusive spark that does or does not <laughs> happen on Date Labs. The uh, bane of our yeah. existence. <laughs> Mostly doesn't, sadly. Yeah, um, do either of you have, like from your work with Date Lab, do you have any insights on what makes up a spark? You're not there to witness the state. So, right. Well, just from um, from from matchmaking, I can tell you um, for for a blind date and a first date, I, the physical, that first moment when people see each other, if there can be some potential for attraction right then, it, it goes a long way. Yeah. And if it's not there, it can really kill things. <laughs> so I do really try to get the physical, even though people will say, well, here's my type, but um, type doesn't matter unless he's really, you know, smart and funny and successful, whatever. Yeah. Um, so even though, even for those people, though, it really helps to have the that initial, like, zing of something, at least the potential for it. Did you feel that on your first date with your husband? I did. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Yeah, we had a great first date. We had a lot of, yeah. Um, Michelle, how does that come across in the interviews? If there's a spark or not? When the spark is there, it's it's there and it's immediate and um, it can be overwhelming on a first date. People are looking for it, but if the spark isn't there, that doesn't necessarily mean that the potential for relationship is not there. Um, you were asking about my, my husband, my marriage. Yeah. Um, my husband and I were friends uh, for a, a long time before we started dating. And I don't know that I would say that there was a spark immediately, but when it did spark, <laughs> it, it, you know, it, it really did. Yeah. So be, you know, people who are open to it, to um, just because someone is not a a good first date doesn't mean necessarily that they're not a good person to date. Yeah, I hear this a lot from matchmakers yeah. in general. Our readers write in a lot about that. They get really frustrated when people don't, um, you know, when people write off someone, you know, just based on a lack of spark on the first date. Yeah. Um, our daters don't seem as frustrated. Honestly, our date labbers seem to have lower expectations. <laughs> they're just, they're okay with it. They're you okay know. with they're not okay going with, on a second date, or, right? It, yeah. They're 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 dating, so um, but our readers seem like, why don't you give it another chance? You know, you never know. Yeah, uh, which is true. I had somebody that I met who's a date lab reader, and she was saying she wanted her son to come on date lab. She said, "But promise me he'll go out with the woman more than once." <laughs> I was like, <laughs> "I cannot promise that." Definitely no guarantees <laughs> That's there. Not something you can sign someone up for no you can't and you know when we uh, you know even when we have all the the physical type is there and all of the you know common interests common values they both love you know fitness whatever 
even then, I'm always surprised by how infrequently there's actually a big spark. Yeah, interesting. So, Christina, now that you're retiring from matchmaking professionally, are you <laughs> going to pursue this in your personal life at all? Like, are you going to match make on the side? I do not have plans to match make on the side. <laughs> I think I'm officially retired. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle's cracking up over here. Freelance matchmaker. I, I am the matchmaker in my group you of friends. Are. That's yes. Exciting. I've hooked up, let's see, in the last year, probably mm, a good half a dozen dates. Wow, good job. Well, yeah. yeah. And were they successful? Well, no, not necessarily. But, <laughs> but half a dozen is actually not that many right well for me it would be because all yeah. my friends are not single <laughs> would be pretty i have a lot of single feet. friends i have a lot of so if you know any single guys <laughs> <laughs> the eternal question <laughs> um when someone sets me up i always think of it as incredibly flattering regardless of whether the date goes well. absolutely like it means they compliment they, they value your you highly as a person exactly uh do either of you have any other parting words for Date Lab, things that you are looking forward to reading about or seeing now that you're no longer behind the scenes. I'm really excited to see, um, you know, Date Lab going forward, trying some new things, um, and and seeing if what we've learned over the years, you know, still holds true. It's been 11 years, so things have changed. Mm -hmm. So it'll be neat to see how that plays out. Michelle, and I'm looking forward to to reading about the bad dates. <laughs> Those are always fun. They are. I, and I would say to the readers that the readers always get so mad when they read about these bad dates. It's like they're personally invested in the dating lives of the daters. Um, that you can you can learn a lot from other people's bad dates. I mean, you you could you what to do and what not to do. Um, and uh, take those lessons and maybe use them in your own dating life. Well, I think that's a great note to end on. Uh, Michelle and Christina, thank you both for joining me. Um, you can, if you or someone you know would be great for Date Lab, you can sign up at WashingtonPost.com slash Date Lab. You can also follow along on Date Lab's Twitter feed at Date Lab for all the dates as they are published and on our Facebook page. And if you have any ideas for me or for Soloish, you can tweet at me at, at Lisa Bonus. And I look forward to reading more. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Bye.